We'll take our text this morning from just one verse in the book of Matthew. These are Jesus' own words. Matthew chapter 25, verse 13. The Lord gives us a warning here. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. I think all of us would agree we do not like unexpected surprises, at least for the most part. Sometimes it may be okay. I guess a surprise birthday party might be okay at different times. But more often than not, when something happens suddenly, it leaves us a little unnerved, maybe at times even unprepared. We don't like sudden surprises. Several years ago, when my wife and I had just been married a short time, she was still working outside of the home, and occasionally she had a job that would take her out of town for a few days. One day she was supposed to be out of town at work, but the job had canceled, and so rather than tell me, she decided to surprise me when I got home. So sure enough, I got home and that afternoon. I walked into the kitchen to get a snack, and suddenly, out of nowhere, Rosie sprang forth with a shout. I think she may have said, surprise. Well, if her goal was to surprise me, she was absolutely successful in doing that. That was probably the closest I've ever been to having a cardiac arrest. But... I think I must have let out some kind of a primal yell. It wasn't a scream, but it was a yell. And after the shock wore off, I was, of course, happy to see her, but I said, please don't ever, ever, ever do that ever again. So far, she hasn't done that to me, but we don't like to be caught unawares. Well, this morning we'll consider an event in God's Word. Jesus tells us it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. This is the next great event on God's calendar. And it will be sudden and unexpected, but we do not have to be unprepared for that event. Of course, I'm speaking about the rapture of the church. You know, I've heard that in journalism class or when you're doing investigative reporting the best way to gather information or learn about a subject is to ask a series of questions. So we'll approach this subject that way this morning. We'll ask five questions. What is the rapture? Why must it occur? Who does it include? How will it happen? And the million-dollar question, when? When will it happen? Well, we look to God's Word for answers to these questions. What is the rapture? The word rapture means to be caught up suddenly or removed or snatched away. The word rapture is not in the Bible, but we know the theme and the imminence of the rapture is all throughout Scriptures. And we see examples of the rapture both in Old Testament and in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we have two characters who are actually raptured. We read the account of a man by the name of Enoch. 
In Genesis, it says he walked with God and was not, for God took him. Hebrews 11.5, it says that Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. So here we have an example. This man named Enoch said that he began walking with the Lord at 65 years of age, and for the next 300 years he walked with God, and one day... Walking along with God, and all of a sudden, he was gone. God took him. We have the account of Elijah the prophet in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. As Elijah and Elisha were walking along there, we read that a chariot of fire, a horse of fire came down from heaven, and it says that Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. It also tells us that the sons of the prophets sent out 50 men to search for him, and after three days, they found him not, because we know God had raptured him. The best description, of course, of the rapture, I think one of the best is what Brother Darrell read there in our scripture reading, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 and 17. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, raptured, snatched away, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Jesus himself was raptured. After he had died and rose again and appeared to his disciples for 40 days, it said as they were on the Mount of Olives there, and Jesus was giving him, giving his disciples a last commandment to go and tarry until they were filled, and he gave them the commission. It says as they were there, they saw Jesus ascend up into heaven. We know of another account in Acts where Philip, as he met that Ethiopian eunuch there in the desert, and they, or in Gaza, and they went down, and his Philip was baptizing that eunuch. It says that when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. So we see examples throughout the Word of God. So we understand what it is. Why must it happen? Why must it occur? Why is it imminent? Well, God's Word says it's going to happen. Again, in 1 Thessalonians 4.15, Paul said, For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord. It wasn't by the word of Paul. This was by the word of the Lord. This is what the Spirit of the Lord revealed to Paul. Jesus himself taught about the rapture. This is a Bible doctrine. It was one of Christ's own teachings. We see in John 14, verse 2 and 3, Jesus gives us this beautiful promise, and these are Christ's own words. He said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Jesus went away. He said, I will come again. He prepared a place for us, and he's going to come again and take us unto himself. We also know the rapture must occur because God is a God of righteousness and righteous judgment. God cannot allow sin and evil 
to go on forever. In Luke 18.7, Jesus said, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry unto him day and night, though he bear long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? We also read in 1 Thessalonians 1.10, it says, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So we know there is a day of judgment and wrath coming upon this whole world. We don't know how far into this tribulation period the church will go, but what we do know is we will not be there when God pulls out the, pours out the full measure of his wrath upon the ungodly and on the unrepentant. We need to be ready for that day. So we understand, we understand what it is. We understand why it must happen. Who does it involve or who does this rapture include? Well, the rapture is only for the saints of God. This isn't a general rapture or a general resurrection. This only includes the saints of God, those who've committed their life to Jesus Christ, those who are full overcomers and living godly, holy lives. It tells us again in our scripture reading that the dead in Christ shall rise first. You know, I thought about Lincoln Memorial Cemetery. I thought about the Garden of Hope. That's going to be a very empty place on Resurrection Day. Many of our saints are buried there, the Garden of Hope. There'll be plenty of burial space after Resurrection Day. But it says the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain. That could include every one of us here this morning. We don't know. The Lord may return today. And if you're ready, you'll be part of that group that's caught up to meet them in the air forever to be with the Lord. Some have wondered what happens to a soul after they die. There's this idea some teach of what they call soul sleep, where they think the body and the soul remain in the grave until the rapture, but that is not what the Word of God tells us. We know that when the soul of a departed saint, or any soul for that matter, at the moment of physical death, that soul departs the body. Jesus often spoke of this in Scripture. Even Paul himself said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Jesus gave the account of the rich man and Lazarus. He said, Lazarus, both men died, and Lazarus was carried by the angels into this place of eternal bliss in Abraham's bosom. And it says, the rich man died also, and in hell, being in torments, he lifted up his eyes. So we see the soul automatically departs the body, but on resurrection day or during that rapture, those physical bodies are going to be reunited with the souls of those who've gone on before us. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up to be with them forever in the air. It tells us that unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. He's coming for those that are looking for his return. Again, those that have prepared their hearts, that are walking faithfully and holy before the Lord. 
Hebrews 11.5, and speaking of Enoch, it says, By faith he was translated that he didn't see death because God translated him. But here's the key. But before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. If we have any hope of getting out of here by way of the rapture, we must have that same testimony that we please God, that we are walking with the Lord every day. So we understand what it is, who it involves. How will it happen? Well, the Word of God also tells us that. It will be suddenly and instantaneously. Matthew twenty four twenty seven says, As the lightning shineth from the east unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. You know, for years we lived in central California along the foothills there, and we would have some tremendous thunder and lightning storms. And that lightning would light up the whole sky. And every time I was reminded of this verse, that's how quickly this event is going to occur. It tells us it will happen in the blink of an eye. First Corinthians 15, 51 and 52 says, In a moment... In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Somebody once did a survey. They said that a human being, an average person, blinks their eye 20,000 times in a day. I'm not sure who does these statistics. I'm not sure how they gather this information. But if you think about it, that means that there are at least 20,000 episodes in any given day that Jesus could return. The fact is it's going to happen, and it's imminent, and it's going to happen in a moment of time, and it will happen for many unexpectedly. Matthew 24, verse 44 says, Be ready, for the Son of Man cometh in an hour when ye think not. So we understand what it is, why it must happen, who it involves, how it's going to happen? Well, here's the big question. When? When will it happen? That is the one piece of information that the Lord withholds from us. He doesn't tell us because he wants us to live every moment in anticipation of his soon return. Matthew twenty-four thirty-six. Jesus said, No man knows the day or the hour, not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. If anyone comes along and tells you, I know when Jesus is going to return, ignore it. It's not true. It's not biblical. No man knows the day nor the hour. Mark chapter 13, verse 32, again, Jesus' own words, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man. And listen to this. No, not the angels in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father, Jesus himself, according to his words, doesn't know the exact moment when he's coming for his bride. That is knowledge that's reserved for the Father. You know, I think about that verse, and I can almost just picture Jesus sitting on the edge of his throne, looking over at his Father, just waiting for that signal. Go get my bride. You know, it is that close. It is that close. It's going to happen. But it tells us also in verse 33, Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. So it's going to be suddenly, unexpectedly, but it will not happen without warning. 
Luke, the 17th chapter, Jesus gave us a description of what life and the world will be like immediately preceding the coming of the Lord. Tells us that as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And if you read in Genesis chapter 5, you read about those conditions in Noah's day. It says that the earth was full of violence. We live in a world and a country today that is divided down the middle, trying to figure out if it's okay for a mother to destroy the life of her unborn child. Said the most dangerous place for a child nowadays is inside of the womb. The earth is full of violence. Just like in the days of Noah, mankind corrupted themselves. Says the thoughts and the imaginations of man was only evil continually. When they weren't committing sin, they were thinking about what they could do. They were continually evil. It also tells us as it was in the days of Lot. When God rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed Sodom, thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. I don't think we've ever seen a time in our culture, in our society, where we've seen sexual perversion to the level it is today. We know that abominations and deviant behavior of every kind is being promoted in our society. Not only is it being accepted and promoted, it's being normalized, it's being uh, legalized, and it's being forced on the rest of society. And this, this God, this wretched ideology has crept into every area of our society. It's invaded the corporate world. I heard about one job, job application just a, a while back that offers the applicant 42 different gender choices. Shocking. But this is the world we're living in. It's invaded the sports world, the entertainment industry, our healthcare industry, the educational system, the judicial system, the justice system. The church, sadly, in many places, has fallen prey to this. Even in our military, we see it pervades every area of our society. We're living in a time and a day when we are completely saturated with wickedness. As in the days of Lot, as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Well, I'm here to bring good tidings. So <laughs> the good news is we don't have to be here when the Lord comes. He gives us these warnings because He loves us. He wants us to be prepared. Jesus doesn't warn us to scare us, but to prepare us. It's not the Lord's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus is coming again. We can be prepared. We don't have to be caught unaware or unprepared. Jesus said, when you see these things come to pass, look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. With the Lord's help this morning, I'm going to do a little object lesson. I hope it goes well. If not, I won't do it ever again. I actually did this in Pullman. But I'm hoping this will give us an idea of how quickly this event is going to occur. So imagine this red handkerchief here. This represents the saints of God. And it's red because these are those that are washed in the blood of Jesus. 
And we know the Bible tells us that as Christians, even though we are in the world, we are not of this world, what's going to happen when that trumpet sounds? The saints of God will disappear. Now, you would be very disappointed if I told you how I actually did that. It's nothing fancy. It's not magic or anything like that. But that gives us an idea how quickly it's going to be. In the blink of an eye, in a moment of time, Jesus is going to return. Will there be time to repent? Will there be time to make your peace with the Lord? No, those things need to be taken care of in this life ahead of time. God's Word tells us how we can be ready. Romans 8, 11. It says, If the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. We must be saved. We want to be born again. We want the Spirit of the Lord to be dwelling in us. We want to be holy and pure. We want to be a part of that bride of Christ. We don't know the day or the moment when Jesus will come, but we want to be ready. The good news is, the Word of God tells us how we can be prepared for that day. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope in the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We must avail ourselves of the grace that the Lord has provided us through salvation, through the blood of Jesus. We must live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. This doesn't happen after we're gone or after the Lord comes. We have to be living that way now. Just like Enoch, we must have this testimony that we please the Lord now. And finally, we want to look for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you ready? It's going to happen. It could happen before the service is out this morning. You know, if you're not ready to meet the Lord in the air, you're not ready to meet him by way of the grave. We don't know what's going to come first, but here's one thing we do know. Every one of us here will one day leave this world one of two ways. Either it will be by way of the rapture or way of the grave. But if you're not prepared for one, you won't be prepared for the other. But the good news is you can be ready for both. You can know your sins are forgiven. As we see these signs unfolding all around us, Jesus in his love is warning us. He extends an invitation and says, Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. You may be never given another opportunity, but today is the day God can help you. You can leave this place knowing whatever happens in the future, if your life is committed to Christ, one day you will see him, whether in the air, by way of the grave. What a blessed hope that is. It says, comfort one another with these words. I pray that those words bring comfort to you, but if they don't, 
You can get that taken care of this morning. Those words can comfort you. The Lord can show you Himself. He can reveal Himself to you. He can save you again. He can change you and give you that blessed hope down in your heart. The Lord can sanctify you wholly. The Lord can give you oil in your vessel. You can be ready. You can be a full overcomer. So when that trumpet sounds, we can be caught up to be with the Lord forever. We have a chance to pray. Avail yourself of this opportunity. Again, there's no guarantee that this isn't the last chance you'll be given. But God, help us today. We want to take advantage of what God has provided. We're going to sing song number 488. Let's come and seek the Lord.